Hello, my name is Danny Flett. Thank you so much for listening. This audio interview is brought to you by Open World Magazine, the ultimate guide for travel and living the adventurous lifestyle. Happy to have you here today because I'm joined by a very interesting 26-year-old young musician slash nomad. His name is Tom Edwards. Uh, Tom Edwards is a free-spirited young man who decided, like a lot of us do, that the traditional career path was not for him. And uh, so he just decided to hit the road and begin traveling. He's been supporting himself as a traveling musician and uh, just wanted to welcome you, Tom. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Anything you want to say to the listener before we start? Uh, not anything in particular just yet. I'm, I'm a little awkward at stuff like that. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> so you have to bear with me. Well, why don't you uh, start by, I guess we'll just introduce yourself and you tell us a little bit about your backstory. You came from a, a small town in Ohio, right? Where do you come from? Yeah. Chillicothe, Ohio. Chillicothe, Ohio. It's a, yeah, it's a little south of Columbus, if, if the listeners know where that is. It's uh, towards the center of Ohio. And what kind of upbringing did you have in uh, Chillicothe, Ohio? Chillicothe, yeah. It's, a, it's an Indian name we stole <laughs> um, I was, uh, I guess you could say I was, I don't want to say redneck, but I certainly grew up in the country. So, um, I find that I'm different than a lot of other travelers in that aspect I grew up hunting and fishing and, and that kind of stuff. And typically I don't want to say, I don't want to group anybody into a broad category, but typically around here. Most of those people don't ever leave. <laughs> you get a job at the local factory or whatever, and that's kind of it. So, it's kind of a small town. People just kind of stay put, right? Yeah, yeah. You have you have a few people that break the mold and get out, but for the most part, people aren't uh, aren't too interested in going further than the closest beach, Myrtle Beach. It's where everybody goes. Yeah, <laughs> there, Florida. <laughs> So, so what inspired you to buck the trend and uh, escape this while everyone else is uh, kind of living that simple life? Well, I want to say that I uh, that I grew some balls and like uh, just said screw it one day, but that's not to be fair how it really happened. Um, I did have what you would call a real job. I worked for uh, Verizon Wireless for about three years and was kind of working my way up through the through the ranks there. And I reached a point where I really wanted to travel abroad. I had done a lot of traveling in the United States, and I was really interested in – I had these just crazy ideas that I was just going to pack a backpack and just take off walking, and I'd hitch ride on boats and stuff like that. Which <laughs> I didn't didn't work out anyway, but I had these big dreams of doing that. And uh, That's kind of the dream, isn't it? <laughs> that is, yeah. I thought I just wanted adventure. But uh, I pushed out, and I didn't. I decided to stay where I was at with the company. And then not a week or two later after I had finally, like, officially made that decision, the franchise or subsidiary that I worked for got completely shut down because of some stuff my boss was doing behind the curtains. Oh, wow. And so I was just found myself without a job and then – Literally walked out of the door to the place and called my buddy and was like, pack your bags. We're going to Thailand. <laughs> and then just went from there. Started playing. That's when I started playing music for a living because I, I had done it as a hobby for uh, for years. But I kind of thought about it and was like, man, I could if I could book enough shows, I could you know play enough where I can support myself at least. So that's when I started delving into that before I took off to travel. That's a big transition from uh, Verizon uh, employee to musician. I feel like those are opposite ends of the spectrum. It was uh, uh, it was scary as shit whenever I did it in terms of not having a paycheck that comes in every week. And it was hard that first couple of months getting enough uh, shows booked to make enough money. Wow. It was uh, <laughs> There was a moment where I was unsure that I was going to be able to pull it off. And I thought that I was going to have to try to get a job. But... It, due to my spontaneous nature, we had planned to leave like three or four months after all that happened. So there really wasn't any time for trial and error. It was like, just go, 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 figure it out as we went, basically. <laughs> and I want to get into that. Um, but first, I just had one question. Uh, were, were you happy when you were working at Verizon? What were you doing over there? I kind of skipped over it. 
Um, I was in sales there. I'm, okay. I've always, I'm a people person, so I, I did always enjoy the job, and I'm probably one of the few people that I've ever known who actually enjoyed working with the general public. <laughs> Most people hate it. But uh, I didn't like um, the corporate aspect of it. I hated having a boss, someone that – because I'm, I'm pretty hard-headed and I like doing things my way and I have a problem with authority in that, in that aspect. <laughs> it's amazing so, you held on to that job for three years. I feel a lot of us it, – It truly is, man. I really don't know how I did <laughs> because I would – do things that would get me in trouble. If something ticked me off, I would like write a letter to the corporate office and that people get pissed off about it. So that awkward, was a awkward meetings in, uh, in HR. What is it? <clears throat> oh, you must, you must have had a few awkward meetings in HR from time to time. I, I imagine. Right? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I had, yeah one, I, I wrote this long letter to, uh, our corporate rep. He had came in, you know how that is. They come in like once in a blue moon and they have no idea what's going on and <laughs> whatever. And at the end, before he left, he was like, if you ever have any concerns or anything, man, feel free to shoot me an email or whatever. And apparently it was an empty promise because so I, did email. I later did something that was going on uh, whenever the iPhones first got released on Verizon. There was something – I won't get into all the ins and outs because it's not important. But I basically sent a, uh, a letter to him explaining what I thought about it and how I thought they were handling it wrong. And I'm sure you got in trouble it. for that, right? What is it? I'm sure you got in trouble for, for sending him an email. Oh. Yeah, I got a call from my boss, and <laughs> it was terrible. My, the manager handed me the phone. He's like, here, the boss wants to talk to you or whatever. I get on there. The first thing he says, what the fuck were you thinking sending him? Uh-huh. And it just turned into a huge thing. And, yeah, So wow. I'm glad to be my own boss now. I can do my own thing, you know, set my own hours. If I want to take afternoon off and go hiking, I can, so – yeah, I'm very happy that I've made the change. I'd say I was I was happy there in general, but not as happy as I could be. Put it that way. Yeah, I really hate how they they kind of put you in their place and they have this whole chain of command thing, like treating you like you're somehow beneath them just because you haven't been there working there as long or, or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so so that was would have never been done what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that was uh, about two or three years ago. You say when you you quit that. That would have been two years ago. Yeah. Okay. That would have been not this past March, but the March before. So actually, more like a year and a half, I'd say. Then. And then your franchise got shut down. You decided to uh, take your guitar out of the uh, out of the basement. And, yeah. And uh, you booked a one way ticket to Thailand after that. Well, um, it was we wanted to do around the world trip, so. There was, uh, there was something that we later referred to as pipe dreams where we just had these huge dreams and aspirations and ambitions without the research or finances to back them up. So what we did was book round-the-world tickets, but we kept adding destinations to it just on a whim. Like we found out we are going to be late over in New Zealand, so we're like, oh, we'll just extend that by three weeks and we wanted to do Egypt. We throw Egypt in there. We're having latest over in Egypt, and we just kept adding all this stuff. And we had no idea what we were doing in terms of anything really. And a lot of complications arose from that, such as the whole revolution in Egypt. We had to scrap that because all that crazy stuff was happening there. And uh, so you guys went crazy, huh? What is it? You guys are basically just going just going crazy planning. Yeah, yeah. we're just going crazy thinking that. I had an idea that I was going to start a website and people were going to donate and nobody did this stuff at all and it was going to be awesome. And then after we got on the road, I realized that tons of people blog about traveling. (laughs) (laughs) I was not even close to being the only one that was doing something like that. And basically I was incredibly naive on what it takes to get like a a website running and monetize to make money off of it and stuff. So we left with – Virtually, I'll put it this way. We were on a 10-month itinerary, which wasn't really an itinerary, but that's how long we were going to be gone. And we had a total of like $4,000, I think, between to cover three of us. So Wow. If you, and I know in your head you're like, this guy's an idiot. Why would he ever think that? <laughs> but no, that's I'm, not, I'm not thinking this guy's an idiot. <laughs> that's where the ignorance comes into play. I'm just like, oh, I'll, be, I'll make money you know, doing this and that. 
Ig on the red. Ignorance can be useful because the opposite is uh, you psych yourself out, you know, and you, you fear all the variables of it. Sometimes you just got to be optimistic and go, right? That's exactly what we did, man. Yep. That's, that's kind of I, my motto is just wing it. Just go and figure it out. And I've made a terrible yeah, a mistake, of, by the way. I, uh, I forgot to plug your website in the intro. It's uh, tuneupandtravel.com. Yep. That's the, the blog that you started. That's about two years old now. Well, I started one called Artists Abroad. Um, I wanted to make it about music, but one of the guys that was going with me, it was a couple other guys. One of them is my drummer, and the other one was a photographer, quote, unquote. He turned out to be just the worst photographer in the world. But uh, <laughs> but I wanted to do something that encompassed everybody that was going, so I went with Artists Abroad. And whenever I came home this from all of this, for a brief period, I was like, I'm not going to travel for a long time. And then we all know how that happens if you're any kind of traveler that does it a lot. It doesn't work like that. So <laughs> a couple months later, I was ready to go again. And that's when I rebranded it and made it my own thing, you know, music and and travel. So You have to adopt to what the market uh, wants to read about, too, and what they want. True. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I needed a niche that wasn't so broad. It was a little more defined. Yeah, and so how did how long did your initial around the world trip take, or last? It ended up, and you'll remember a moment ago I said it was a ten month itinerary. Ten month, right? And uh, well, I say that uh, because it didn't end up making a ten month. We fact <laughs> the money to put a huge hurting on us, so we came. We made it six months before we had to uh, shorten up, uh, make a couple flight dates sooner to make it back before we starved to death. That's still pretty impressive. Uh, I think ten months would have been four hundred a month. Is that right? Based on your budget, I think so. Yeah, we uh, in Europe we had it down to by the time we left Europe the last month there, we had it down to twelve dollars a day to cover the three of us. Twelve dollars for three people. <laughs> twelve dollars for three people a day, and the only cost that that is is tobacco because we were all smoking cigarettes at the time, and uh, food. And we were just finding places. We slept in a nature preserve outside of Rome for a whole month. Oh and, uh, we, me and <laughs> me and uh, my buddy that plays drums, we would take buses into town every day and busk for four or five hours and make about 20 or 30 euro, which we would come back and buy our food. And then we'd put the rest in a little bag to save, try to, you know, just trying to make money, basically. Did you have a safety net or were you just like living uh, off? Of what you made. We had, when we left, we had, like I said, I think it was like about three, three to $4,000 total. Um, and we all were, we pulled all of our finances together and that's what we had total. But we knew that if we did blow through that, we'd be screwed later. So there was a safety net there and we were trying not to touch it basically. That was our goal is to – I knew that I wasn't going to be able to make money playing music in Asia just because their economy wouldn't be able to to support it as far as me being able to walk into somewhere and book a show that's going to pay enough or busk and have you know locals pay enough just because it's not – they don't have the money to do that typically. So who are, who are your two friends? Were they uh, part of your band? Um, one of them still plays music with me and uh, – yeah, his name's Corey. He plays a, a little hand drum, like a box drum called a cajon. And we made one that comes apart so he could carry it around with us. You know, a couple little shakers and stuff he would use. But the other guy, um, he's a guy I met. I do a lot of kayaking, and I met him here in my hometown. He's from here too, uh, kayaking. Now, um, it's – the whole thing with him, it's really interesting, which you're hearing me stammering there because I'm trying to think of how to even explain it. But <laughs> I didn't know him that well when I left. And, well, right right now I'm writing a book about this whole thing. And you, you'll you be able to kind of tell in the book how at the beginning I didn't – neither me or Corey really knew him that well, much about him. And he seemed like he was like a Clint Eastwood type or something, just kind of like a <laughs> – but, you know, assertive and knew what he was doing. Everything, and then when we got over there, it was the total opposite, and it was he was just 
complete polar opposite from us. Me and him didn't get along at all. We fought all the time, like screaming each other, fighting over money and just all kinds of stuff. He was just, uh, and it took a long time for me and him to learn how to get along. And when I say that, I mean like four or five months. <laughs> so <laughs> pretty much the whole it, trip, huh? <laughs> yeah. And even now, like I'm still friends with the guy, but it's still like, we don't really talk cause it's, we were just found out we're totally different people. And yeah, it was, it was rough, man. But, uh, I mean, aside from that, you guys had all kinds of uh, interesting experiences. I'm, I'm looking over uh, some of the things that you wrote in your contribution uh, on my website. Yeah. Uh, you were, you guys were train hopping around Italy. Um, yeah. Hitchhiking um, with drug dealers and stuff like this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was all. All of that can be attributed to the lack of money. Because <laughs> we were just doing anything we could to save a buck. Um the train hopping thing, though, I'll tell you a quick story because I, I posted something on my Twitter, on uh, my Twitter account today that I was going to tell this story, um, and this also has to do with that guy and him being crazy about money. So we figured out we were hitchhiking through northern Europe. Well, I say northern, northern, northern for where we were at. So that would have been uh, Switzerland and Germany. And uh, when we got to Italy. We found out that they weren't checking train tickets anywhere that we could tell. So we just started uh, hopping trains everywhere. We'd just get on a train and go, and they just never asked for a ticket. We'd just get on and go. And um, we were trying to make it to Rome because we had found that nature preserve on Google Maps. That's how ridiculous all this was, and we were going to go there. Uh, Anyways, we had been gone for like three or four days. We were so tired. We had to sleep in this train station with a bunch of homeless people the night before. We didn't get to sleep at all. And uh, so we just decided we were going to get off the train when we just saw something that had like a wooded area where we could just sleep for a while and just recover before we kept going. And so we get off in this town and it turned out there wasn't any woods, but we found this bridge. So we go under this bridge and we decide we're going to just take a nap, a quick nap under this bridge. And we take a nap, wake up, we decide we're still tired. So we figure we'll stay there another night. Um, and that's about when the emu showed up. <laughs> we were just sitting there, and I look up, and there's this gigantic bird. An emu is like a big ostrich, and this thing is just standing there under this bridge, staring at us. I'm like, dude, there's a uh, there's a huge bird behind you, Corey. And he looks around. There's this giant emu standing there. We're all, we, I still don't really know how an emu ended up there because they're not native to Italy. Did it escape from the zoo or something like that? There was a male and a female. There was a female one that was, or a male one that was at a, another bridge further down. Um, but it was like the town pet, man. We were sitting under this bridge <laughs> right after we see this emu, right? And then we hear like a thump, a thump. We look over and it's a loaf of bread and the people are throwing food down to this bird. They don't know we're under there, you know? And they're throwing all this food down to this bird, a bunch of potatoes and oranges and stuff, which I don't know if a bird freaking eats potatoes. But anyways... We ended up <laughs> uh, Aaron, that guy walked over and was like, it was perfectly good orange. He starts eating the orange. And then we decided we were going to make dinner. So we went and bought some meat, but we cooked the potatoes that we had found under the bridge. And oh my as one would expect eating bridge food, uh, the next morning at 5 o'clock in the morning, I woke up uh, feeling rather under the weather. <laughs> and You guys were stealing food from the emu? Yes, we were stealing food from an emu, exactly. <laughs> uh, just like a mother well, bird coming to... I was sick, right? And I started I started puking my guts up. I got... It, I don't think it was food poison because we all ended up getting it at different times. It wasn't like where we all got slammed, but it was some kind of something. And that leads to the story of how I pooped my pants under a bridge in Italy. Uh, <laughs> Because was, we had to go to go to the bathroom. You had to go all the way down the creek bed, right? And people could see. There's like a walkway. If people were up there, they'd see you walking down the creek bed. I don't think they ever found out that we were sleeping under the bridge. But I was trying to make it there, and I'm freaking. I'm running down this creek bed, you know, holding my my ass together, and I had to jump over this creek, like a, a where the sorry, it's a dry creek bed, and I had to jump over where there was still some water. And yeah, the jump uh, did me in so to speak. So that was when I lost my favorite pair of underwear <laughs> and a sock. Um, 
And yeah, so I was laid up a whole day and that dude I was with was so crazy about money that he would not let us get, I wanted to go get a hotel room, you know, like imagine if you had like food poisoning or something and you're sleeping on gravel, you know, under a bridge. And I'm just like, dude, I just want to go to a, a hotel or a hostel or something, man. And he's like, I don't know why you what benefit you'd have. From, we're not spending $30 on that. I'm like, like a toilet and a bed, you know? Uh, so yeah, that was pretty rough. So, wow. That's, that's an amazing experience, Tom. Sounds like you, you really rough it when you travel. Um, do, do you really enjoy these kinds of experiences when you do? Um, I definitely did not enjoy that experience for damn sure. Um, Here's what I tell people is uh, I I didn't enjoy that kind of stuff. I really didn't. Um, but I did enjoy the train hopping, the hitchhiking, staying with locals, all that stuff. I've, I've said even if I won a million dollars tomorrow and could travel, you know, private cars, five-star hotels, I would still hitchhike and I would still do couch surfing and all that because to me that's how – I made the most connections with the local people and learned the most about the local cultures and all that stuff. So I really, really enjoyed that aspect of it for sure. Right. A lot of people seem to think that that's all travel is because it's what we're advertised to and brochures and uh, yep. flyers is, is just this idea of luxury and it's, it's yep, basically, and that's it's basically travel porn. You know? too. Sorry? And that's why everybody thinks it's so expensive too. Yeah, exactly. And they, they look at the kind of travel that you're doing and they think, well, that, that sounds like poverty. You know, I, I could never see myself doing that. <laughs> um, I, I don't plan to ever do that that intense again. I'll still do budget, but hostels and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, how many times can you just go visit museums or beaches or, you know, another temple, for example? Um, it's It's really the relationships and interactions you have that, uh, have the greatest impact, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. I completely agree. Yep. Those are the memories that stick with you more than anything is the people you've met and uh, the culture that you brought back with you or just witnessed where you're at. You must have broken a few hearts out there on the road too, Tom. <laughs> you know, you would be surprised how women aren't interested in a guy that sleeps under bridges and in nature pools. <laughs> <laughs> I had a I had a couple times where I had met somebody that I really uh, connected with, and uh, in Germany I met a girl that I, I really really liked. But the problem with traveling with the other guys and having all of our money pulled together was I couldn't I had to go with them when they left, you know. So I'm sure with with these girls you could have come up with an alibi or something though. Uh... I could have just uh, said through Aaron and Corey and just uh, and just stayed with them anyway. <laughs> oh, <right. laughs> yeah, I read about uh, recently about a homeless guy in New York. Uh, he takes really good care of himself, really well groomed, and he'll just he'll go back home with. Uh, oh, women I read that. that. Met. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I need to do on my next trip. Yeah. <laughs> and he's actually dependent on them for his his survival. Yeah, that wouldn't work for me. I'd still, I'd probably still be under the bridges then. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you had some other interesting experiences, like uh, while you were hitchhiking in Switzerland, uh, you kind of got uh, indoctrinated into this drug dealing mafia. <laughs> yeah, that was, and the best part about that, that was the first time that I've ever hitchhiked that any of us had ever hitchhiked, and <laughs> we we went to uh, Montreux, Switzerland. We took a train there. And uh, we had met some German dudes that were telling us all these tips for hitchhiking and stuff uh, before then. And we decided that right, that's the point we're going we're gonna to start hitchhiking. We're going to try it. And these guys told us, just go by the, by the highway with a sign that has the name of the city you want to go to. And just, you know, smile, wave, and everything. So I, I have the guitar. I'm playing the guitar. Corey's smiling, holding the sign, dancing around. And, man, it wasn't like five or ten minutes uh, hatchback Audi pops up onto the curb, pulls over like, Oh, no way. And run up there. And it's this guy, you know, he's motioning for us to put our stuff in the car. You know, yeah. Parlez-vous anglais? Nope. No English. I'm like, Oh God. And he's like, uh, guy spoke Spanish, 
French, Italian, and German, and not English. And uh, at that time, I didn't speak any Spanish and any Italian. So there was very... He could kind of understand a little bit what I was saying by hand charades. I'm sure you've done that a lot traveling. Um, and we could somewhat communicate on a very limited basis. Enough for me to find out he was from Dominican Republic and uh, he was supporting his wife and daughter back home. But anyways, we get in there. I get, of course, I get nominated to sit in the front seat. We were going to switch off to this. I get nominated to do that. We're all sketched out. You know, we had never done it before, and we're all freaking out. We all have, like, a, a sheath knife in our pocket, you know, just in case we get kidnapped or something, which I am now realize would probably never happen unless you were a complete idiot. But uh, anyways, both of those guys, Corey and Aaron, both fall asleep immediately in the back of the car. I'm like, oh, God. So I'm talking to this guy, and he goes, uh, go back to my house and douche, uh, shower, and I get Euro, which it was said much more and much looser English than that, but I got the gist of what he's saying. And so I thought he was saying, uh, if you give me some money, I'll let you come to my house and I'll let you shower and give you some food. And we had been camping outside of Mantra for about four days, so a shower sounded pretty awesome, quite frankly. So I was like, yeah, I'll pay you. All right, that's cool, yeah. And uh, so I woke up the guys in the back and told them what was going on. We take an exit and uh, start going to his house or whatever, and I was like, uh, how much euro? And he was like, huh? He was all confused. I'm like, how much euro do you want for the shower and the food? He was like, no, 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 I do for you. I do for you. Just want to help. And so I was really confused because I was like, I, he just said, like, you give me euro and then – we can do this. And I couldn't figure out in my head. I'm like, all right, I'm just going to go with the flow, whatever. And we get to his house, and there's a couple other dudes in the parking lot. They meet up with him. He hands them a bag of white substance, and they hand him some cash. And then that's when it hit me. Oh, make money. He had to go make money first, and now we're going to his house. So then, like, all right, so he's a drug dealer. And for some reason, that still didn't really sketch me out much, nor did it sketch out the other two guys because we were so hungry and dirty <clears throat> that we just really, really wanted to shower. <laughs> <laughs> so we go into this house. The house is, like, empty as shit. There's nothing in it. There's a bunch of bags of, uh, of weed clippings everywhere. And we cook dinner. We take a shower out stuff. And he's wanting us to go to a bar. With, and meet his friends and stuff and go out drinking. We're all so tired. We're like, man, we just we don't have the energy, you know. Like, we just want to sleep. And so he's like and, – and bear in mind, this is like four hours after we met the dude. He's like, okay, and in his broken English, explained to us that he was going to go out and come back the next morning and we could sleep in his bed and stay in his house. <laughs> like, is this dude serious right now? Like he's just going to leave us here? We sounds like off. Uh, it sounds like he's fattening you guys up for the kill. It was so weird. <laughs> Again, we still weren't even sketched out. We're like, okay, cool, man, whatever. See you later. <laughs> uh, he told us he'd be back at 10 o'clock the next morning to take us back to the highway. We sleep that night, slept like a baby. And uh, the next day, we're, you know, we all wake up, sitting around. And then that's when it kind of like started dawning on us that all was not well and good. Because we were, we started piecing things together. Like, okay, there's no real furniture in this house, and he says he's been here for months, but it looks like there's nothing here. Basically, we came to conclude that it was like a dealing house or like a processing house, where the, he was just doing the dealing type stuff. That's what we guess, anyway. I still don't know if that's true or not. But so we started getting really, really sketched out. Because we're thinking, like, what if the cops, like, bust this place or something, you know? And, like, they're never going to believe that we were just hitchhiking this dude picking stuff. <laughs> they're definitely going to think that we were there, like, buying drugs or something. Or what if, you know, the place gets robbed and we're here or something, you know? It was just so many different variables. Because the night before, people had came and bought stuff. Like, three or four different people had came. So we were just getting super sketched out. And we finally decided, like, okay, 
we just need to leave. Like before the studio even gets back, we need to take off. So we pack up all of our stuff. We go to walk out the door and we realize that we had left our, we had a bag that we carried all of our food and our backpacking stove and some other stuff. And we had left it in the dude's car and we're like, fuck. So we couldn't leave. We had to stay and wait. And the guy finally came back and he was all oblivious. Dude was just all the time, just the nicest dude, just huge smile on his face, you know? And he would always say, no problem, no problem. Like, I come back, no problem, no problem. And, uh... Seemed like a nice guy. Pull in and a bunch of his buddies are going to jump out and take all our stuff or something. You know what I mean? Like, it just seemed like nobody is that trusting and nice. It didn't add up. And I had... Um, but anyways, so, but we didn't really have a choice. So we just went with the flow we go outside. We're like, okay, yeah, cool. Um, we go outside and it's a completely different car than he had the day before. And I'm like, dude, Hey, where's your, uh, what happened to the other car? And he's like, Oh, borrow, borrow from friend, borrow from friend. And we're like, uh, where'd you get this car from another friend? Borrowed it from another friend. Uh, well, we had like a. <laughs> Like, we had a bag in there with our food and a bunch of stuff in it that we really need. And he says, uh, it's gone. It's gone. <laughs> so you lost all your food. Like, uh, well, dude, uh, uh, we really need that. And there's, well, yeah, he's, got, he's like, it's gone. No problem. It's gone. No problem. Like, no, huge problem, dude. Actually, like, we really need that stuff. And finally, he's like, I buy you. I'll buy you new stuff. So we ended up on this freaking goose chase going around, and I'm trying to explain to him that he's not going to be able to find a backpacking stove in his little Switzerland town. You know, he's going to, like, grocery stores and stuff. I'm like, you're never going to go find this thing, dude. <laughs> Anyways, we, he's taking us – while he's doing that, we're going to all these different places doing deals, and he meets up with these German dudes in this Maserati, and they hand in two entirely full grocery bags of pot that he just, like, throws in the back hatch and – or just driving around, going. Then he takes those to another house, walks in with the two. And I'm talking two like big grocery bags stuffed <laughs> full of shit, man. Takes those into a house and comes back out with our bags. And I'm like, I'm very confused, but I'm like, all right, cool. We got our food back. Whoever had it ate a couple bananas, which we were cool with. Whatever. <laughs> but we got all our stuff back. Well, but, I guess, we got to figure out if you're smoking that much pot, you're going to get hungry, right? So you, I guess so. Yeah, banana uh, looks pretty tempting. <laughs> <laughs> the whole time I'm so sketched out, man, like that something's going to happen. Like, dude's going to screw us or something. I had a phone playing on my phone at that time. So I sent a Facebook message to uh, Corey's brother who was renting my house back home. And basically the gist of it was, yo, dude, if you don't hear from me in two days, call the embassy in Switzerland because some bad shit has happened. And I told him, like, uh, the dude's name and what kind of car he drove. And everything, because I mean, I was getting genuinely sketched out. Just I don't know. <laughs> but the guy took us to a place that said that we could sleep, and he's bought us a beer and lunch, trying to give us money. We're like, no, dude, no, you've done enough. I'll come back. I'll get you the next day. I'll drive you farther. We're like, no, man, no. And yeah, snapped a picture with the guy. He gave <laughs> us all a hug, and then just took off walking. And then as we all just kind of looked at each other, like. That dude was genuinely just that nice. Like, I cannot believe that was there was no ploy. He was just the most, probably the nicest, most generous person I think I have ever met in my life. The dude, after all that, was trying to hand us cash and stuff. I mean, <laughs> send me that incredible. picture. Send me that picture of you guys. We'll put it up on the website as well under the podcast. Okay. Um, I can do that. Yeah, so that's quite a story. That one of the nicest people you met while you're traveling was a Swiss drug dealer. Uh, <laughs> a Dominican Republic Swiss drug dealer. Oh, I see. Okay. Even better. Yeah. And that was your first hitchhiking experience as well, right? That was the very first time we ever did it, yeah. Wow. We had a lot of... We, we met... Um, in Germany, we hitchhiked with the booking agent for uh, Eminem, 50 Cent, Lil' Kim, and a bunch of other hip-hop artists and stuff, randomly. We even put we have, together a pretty uh, compelling case for hitchhiking from some of these stories. Uh, because <laughs> I, hitchhike, man. I had so much fun doing it. I never had, I never had one bad experience with it ever. Everybody was so nice and helpful, and it was just awesome. Even people that couldn't speak a word in English, just the coolest, nicest people. By the end of it, I was not even remotely sketched out at all by doing it. 
Yeah, what's the other alternative? I mean, you could have uh, spent like $70 on a bus or uh, oh, man. rent a car, and then, and then you would have zipped to one place or the other, and you would have had no story to tell. Absolutely. Yeah. And I've actually, uh, I, a lot of the people we hitchhiked with, uh, I added on Facebook, or I gave them my cards so they would like our page, and then I'd add them. So I actually still keep in contact with a lot of the people we hitchhiked with, including the Swiss drug dealer. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, I did a... Um, which I never mention his name because I don't want to get the guy in trouble. <laughs> so I but assume he's still, the, still doing pretty well. I think he's a chef or something. He posts pictures and he, he always oh. posts in Spanish. And he's, I still don't understand. Whenever I describe that story, it sounds like we're communicating very easily. But it was more just hand charades and stuff. Because when the dude posts on Facebook, it's completely in Spanish and I still... Like I've learned, been learning Spanish for six months, so I can understand some of it. But we still don't really talk. We just like he'll like one of my pictures every once in a while, and I'll <laughs> like one. <of> them. <laughs> well, that's that's good. At least he got out of the game, and uh, he's doing well now. <laughs> well, I don't know. He could still be doing. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did a, a fair bit of hitchhiking in uh, Malaysia and also Taiwan. Really. Yeah, myself, and uh, I had nothing but good experiences as well. I actually met a lot of interesting people that way, um, and it never took me longer than you know just a few minutes to to get a ride, which was really you know I I later went to Malaysia and I I wanted to try it there, but I didn't know how it would work compared to you know being a more developing nation. I would say. You know, I, I wasn't sure. Um, I haven't hitchhiked in that many places, but uh, I think from my experiences, Malaysia must be one of the easiest places to hitchhike in the world. Um, really? Yeah. I, I, mean, it's, I don't know what the factors, the combination of factors are, that, but uh, the public transit is not that great there. Um, it's very suburban. The, the neighborhoods are very spread out. So it makes it quite conducive to hitchhiking. But uh, I find the people there are very uh, humble and polite and respectful. Um, in Malaysia? Yeah, and it was actually the first Muslim country that I visited. And uh, and I was, I was really surprised. You know, I, I found that the, the Muslim people that I encountered and that I uh, met were some of the you know, friendliest and, and easiest people to talk to. I agree. Yeah, they, uh, they're very... Um, I liked that they were very open about their religion in terms that they would discuss it and not get so defensive like uh, some people here in the States do. Like they could sit down and have a theological discussion about that kind of stuff and they didn't seem like they were trying to convince you of anything or getting angry or anything like that. Like I could just sit down and genuinely ask them about stuff, which I really liked. Yeah, they're very uh, earnest and just, uh, you know, there's there's no really facade. I mean, they, for instance, they think yeah. that, uh, from their point of view, they think that Buddhists are violent, for example. Um, because it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, because of some of the incidents you see in, in Myanmar and, uh, you know, like in Tibet and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's really quite fascinating. And, and you realize, uh, you know, these people are just, just like us, you know, they're just like you or me. Yeah. Um, yeah. They want the same things. They just, uh, you know, it's it's just a, the cult. They're just brought up in a different culture. That's uh, uh, that's my favorite. One of my favorite things about travel, which plays in, like I said earlier, the people, is uh, that you, you just you realize that how similar everybody is. We're all just humans. Like we were raised a little different. We might speak a little different language. We might do things a little bit differently, but we all want to love and be loved, and we all want to have a happy life. You know what I mean? It's all, we all love a good meal. We all love a good conversation. We're all just humans. And you kind of realize that after traveling. And that's why, is that Mark Twain quote that travel is the, uh, the end of bigotry or hatred? Yeah. And, and you don't, you don't, uh, you don't gain that perspective unless you travel. If you just stay where you are. It would be. Virtually impossible, I would say, to be a racist after you've traveled through nations where people are, you know, diverse like that and see the interactions and, and everything and realize, like, oh, maybe I just didn't understand that other person, you know? Yeah. Do. 
And I think that over 90% of the time we're, we're prejudiced against uh, people from places where we've never actually been there or, or yes. lived there. Yep. Um, <clears throat> and, and kind of gotten to know the people there. Um, and uh, and the, uh, the Muslim, like you mentioned earlier, being from – I assume you're American too, right? Yeah, I'm from uh, California. Okay. Yeah. Well, the, you know, in America, a lot of times, a lot of people are prejudiced towards Muslims. And if you ask those people, I bet that they can't even explain the first thing about the Muslim religion or anything. It's all just they've never been outside of their box and they've never met those people and talked to them. And they just get these ideas in their head. And, yeah, that's why I think everybody should travel at least once in the yeah. world to be a and on the, the bigger scale, uh, we need to be acutely aware of how much that conditioning has influenced us and shaped our minds. Absolutely, yeah. The conditioning yep. of our, our it... upbringing, our social conditioning, our cultural conditioning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. America is uh, admittedly pretty bad about that, too, I think. Yeah, we could go down all kinds of uh, threads yeah. with this. <laughs> I don't want to delve too much into that. <laughs> yeah, but ironically, you know, I have tried hitchhiking in the U.S. too, and uh, I've mostly unsuccessfully. <laughs> so, I was going through this year, and uh, I was planning like a, a week of it, and it rained. I didn't get a chance to do it, but I've been curious to to find out how difficult it would be. I'm actually, it's and it sounds funny, but I would I'm actually more sketched out in America than I would would have been in Europe and everywhere. I think it's just because uh, Europeans seem to have more of a travel attitude, I guess I should say. I don't know. They're more uh, – Yeah. I don't really know how to describe that. I, really I don't. feel like in the U.S., like people would like look down on you if you hitchhike. Like how could you ever right. hitchhike yeah. or how could you ever take public transit? You know, only poor yeah. people and crackheads take public transit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's funny. You actually mentioned earlier about uh, – you said you only hitchhike in wealthy countries. But I find that, you know, in places like – Malaysia, Taiwan is pretty middle class, but uh, even some of these poorer countries, they're actually more understanding of your situation, and they're actually more willing to help you, I find. I could I could definitely believe that, yeah. And that was something that, um, that I experienced uh, quite a bit in some countries, especially uh, France. People, we, we got a really bad reception there, and uh, it was the first time in my life that I felt judged like by something that just because of a situation I was in, uh, we were busking and people, not only did we not give any, get any money, but they were just, uh, giving us really rude stares and they were just incredibly cold and quite frankly, pretty cruel to us to the point that we only spent about four or five days there before we couldn't take it anymore. And we just hopped on a train and went to Switzerland. And so busking is when you, uh, you play music on the street, right? Yeah, yep. And where did you do that? Were you in Paris? No, we were heading to Paris, and that was we scrapped that and went to Switzerland. We were in uh, Montpierre, which is like uh, southern France, kind of near the border to uh, Spain. Uh, and yeah. let me give a disclaimer really quick to all the French people who may be listening who are calling me an asshole. <laughs> I don't, I don't ever judge a place unless I've been there at least like three or four times. So I still love you, even though. You were dickheads to me. I'll give you a chance at some point. I'll give you another chance. Because I've had, I've had places I've hated, and then I've went back, and then later I've loved them. So who knows? Tom, do you want to share your email now in case uh, someone wants to send you some hate? Yeah, absolutely. I'd, I'd love hate. Yeah. <laughs> if you send any death threats to tom at tuneupandtravel.com, uh, I promise I'll respond. Probably just with memes. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, oh, man. So you were saying uh, you went to, to Switzerland. Um, did you want to finish that story or should we get to the next question? That, wasn't, that was pretty much it. The French people pissed us off, so we went to Switzerland. And that's, that's actually whenever we, we did the hitchhiking and stuff, so... Okay. And by the way, if you, if you like these bad. stories and uh, you want to hear more... Uh, I don't know how controversial uh, all your stories are, but you can find more of them on Tom's blog, tuneupandtravel.com. Um, 
I think most most of it's pretty G and PG, right? You're not going to be like calling anyone else out on there, are you? I don't know. I try to stay away from doing that unless it's in like a, a humorous manner. I, most of my stuff, I have a lot of humor in my writing. Um, there's some f bombs dropped in a couple stories, um, but that's about it. I don't. I don't really hate anybody, so I don't go on any tangents where I'm like ranting and raving or anything like that. Okay, so if you're offended by the f bomb, then stay away. But otherwise, <laughs> uh, go check out his his blog at tuneupandtravel.com. Why don't you tell me a little bit more about your blog, uh, Tom? Uh, when did you start that? Were you traveling when you, you began writing? Um, yeah, some of the posts on there are actually from the Artists Abroad blog that I was talking about earlier, the first one I did while I was traveling last year. Um, so I migrated the ones that were relevant and got rid of the ones that weren't. Um, and sometimes it it gets a little confusing. So on posts where it's referring to something where Corey and Aaron were with me, I have a little link at the beginning where the, a reader can read why those two were with me or whatever, get the gist of it. But this time around, I have taken a different focus. Like um, I mainly focus on uh, travel tips for other musicians, like uh, how to make money abroad and how to book shows abroad. Uh, and then I even have a guest post on how to book shows in the U.S. on the road. And I do a lot of budget travel trips, which actually I do a little bit different. I call them extreme budget travel, which is like the stuff I did, just kind of teaching people how to do that. If you want to go and do what I did and live in Europe for 12 bucks a day or well for one person, then you're like five bucks a day. It's doable. I do put a disclaimer in there that it's not going to be that fun. <laughs> but, but a lot of those tips do apply to other, you know, you don't have to do it all the way. You can use some of those tips and still live like a normal person. Um, but how long have you been this blogging? Around, what is it? Oh, how, how long is how old is that blog? Total about two years. Two years. To, okay. And is, are you able yeah. to uh, support yourself or at least make some money with that in case someone else is interested in uh, travel blogging? What is it? Well, let's say someone else is interested in, in starting a travel blog. Um, which seems a natural progression if they, they want to travel the way you do. Uh, are, are you able to, to make any money through your blog? Well, since I have started taking it seriously, which has only been four months, I haven't really had a chance to yet, but there's a lot of monetization opportunities. Now, last time I did it differently, like I said, and I had a donate button on there where people could donate with PayPal. And I ended up making over $1,000 doing that. It was like $1,500 total we made. Wow. Um, and this time I'm mainly focusing towards uh, – I do some other work. I mainly just play music for a living. But when I'm abroad, I do a little bit of design work and stuff. So right now I'm mainly focusing on just making the content good and making the site itself good and then I will focus on maybe advertising money something like that I will be doing some uh, partnerships with tours and hotels and stuff this winter when I head to uh, South America so in terms of that I'll be doing product reviews and hotel and tour reviews and stuff like that so you do some uh, affiliation yeah I'll do something like that uh, sponsored posts and things like that Okay, so in case you're not familiar with that, uh, usually these sponsored posts, uh, you get a free stay at a hotel in exchange for uh, a write-up about the hotel and a review. Yes, yep. And then the other thing that I'm going to be starting next month is uh, product reviews because I have a very specific niche um, of the musician traveling thing. And uh, the one thing that would have been useful to me, I try to, for this blog, I try to think of things that would have been useful to me before I went and travel, and that's what I try. Okay, so your your niche is the – you also have a niche with the musicians. Um, how, how do you identify your niche, or how do you know – how do you find these followers? Well, that's what I'm currently working on right now um, okay. is building up a very relevant readership. Uh, uh, I'm careful that I don't really want to appeal to just that audience um, but I do want to target that audience for certain aspects of my blog, which is the product reviews and things like that. So with that, I've been doing uh, targeted Facebook advertisements where I can actually target uh, ads for people whose interests are traveling and playing guitar 
singing, songwriting, that kind of stuff. But in general, for my blog, I, with the humor thing, I kind of want to appeal to just a younger, like a college 20 to 30 year old audience that just thinks my writing is funny basically and follows it for that reason. And then musicians who follow it for its usefulness. So I have some posts on there that are satire or just funny. Like my how to series is all like a how to poop in Thailand and how to take a shower in Malaysia. And it's just like a funny stuff, like step by step. And it's all just for fun. Okay, so you're not, so, you're not targeting uh, business people with yeah. somebody's posts. <laughs> Absolutely not. If they want to read it, all the more power to them. And so, I'd love to have them, but I doubt they'll be into it. <laughs> so, so what advice would you give to the listener uh, based on some of these experiences? Uh, any, anything, any, you know, as far as blogging or your advertising or just even making money uh, while, you, while you travel? I'll say making money while you travel. Um, I would say... I'm trying to think of a way to word this. Don't ever, A, don't ever try to limit it to one thing. And B, don't don't ever limit your creativity because there is just an infinite number of ways you can make money traveling. Uh, The internet is your friend, basically. And I would recommend, I have a post on my blog. Um, I'm sure. Sure, you're familiar with sites like Elance or Odesk, which is what I used whenever I got to Southeast Asia to start making money since music wasn't really an option anymore. And those are websites where a person can go on and bid freelance jobs. So if you can write anything, if you can design or draw anything, do voiceovers, it's something like 2,000 different jobs that you can do. If you can do it on a computer and somebody might want to pay for it, then you can probably do it on there and make some money. Do you find it to be a good return when you bid on those jobs? Because I know that you're competing with a hundred other people, uh, many of them in India or Pakistan. Uh, it is a good, it's a good start. And I, I delve into that a lot on that post I'm talking about. Um, the post on my blog is called, uh, how to make money, uh, doing freelance computer work. And I delve into that a little bit because there are ways it's tempting to underbid yourself to get started, but it's hard to work yourself up from that once you do. People will see that you worked last month, you know, for three dollars an hour. So why would you why would they want to pay you twenty dollars an hour this week? So <laughs> I go into that a lot on that post, but I found it was good for getting started. If I did a good job on a design and then I would get referrals from that person. I didn't underbid myself. You know, I did what I thought was fair and what I needed, which I was living in Asia. Right. So I guess the takeaway there is is don't be a bottom feeder, right? Um, understand that uh, there's probably good and bad clients on Odesk, and uh, it's probably worth it to create a good profile and, and kind of... Uh, uh, Sell yourself or sell yourself well or build yourself up instead of Absolutely. And that's that's what I've said in that in that post is take the time, make your profile really good, you know, post all the, the best work you have for your portfolio. Take the time to do all the there's skills tests on there to, to do. Take the time to do those because the clients do look at them when you're starting out. And don't start off with the three dollars an hour just to try to get a job. <laughs> Stick to your guns, charge what you really need to make. And it may be discouraging at first, but once you get a job or two, they'll start coming in. And it's a, it's I don't use it anymore, but it was good to get started with. You know, when I didn't have anything, I was like, okay, that's a good place to start. Yeah, and if you guys go on, um, if you're listening to this podcast, I don't know where you're listening, but if you go to our website at openworldmag.com and find the interview with Tom Edwards, we'll post a link uh, to that specific blog post that Tom was talking about. Make it easy for you to find. Um, another tip I will add is that I think it also helps if you take, uh, some of your, if you have any existing clients that you're working with, you can also ask them to hire you through Odesk and, uh, give you some of your first jobs and and write some of your first reviews, which I find to be a helpful uh, tip for people. Well, that's brilliant. I never thought thought of that. (laughs) Yeah, because 
I think getting started is probably the hardest thing, right? And and getting your first job. I mean, you must probably. Yeah. I think most people, it's it's not uncommon to bid for a hundred jobs before you you get invited to interview interview for one. Yeah, I did quite a few before. Yeah, very discouraging at first. <laughs> so I guess the, waste of the moral is uh, stick with it. Yeah. <clears throat> so the same thing goes with a blog. To do a blog to make money, it's going to take a little bit. It's going to take a while. If you're in it to make just to make money, then you're doing the wrong thing. You got to do it because it's fun. Yeah, you got to enjoy it if you want to stick with it. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm having a blast. I get to interview guys like you and uh, have a good time doing it. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm liking what you're doing. Yeah, hey, there, man. It's really cool stuff. I've read through a lot of different. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Um, yeah. Happy birthday, too. I saw uh, Skype says it's your birthday. Yes, it is. Unfortunately, <laughs> a year older. <laughs> but I, I feel like I turn 21 each year because uh, each year just keeps getting better and better. So. That's the way to live life, man. <laughs> so, Tom, how long do you plan to continue this uh, lifestyle? What's next for you? Oh, I ask myself that question every single day, man. Uh, <laughs> I really don't know, dude. I'm just kind of, I'm kind of going with the flow. To be honest, I, uh, it, I have two very conflicting goals in life, and one is to do all this traveling stuff, and the other, I, I really want to kids and family and all that stuff someday. So I kind of just, I guess I'm just going to keep doing this until that organically happens, you know, cause that's not something you can go force yourself <laughs> to do, but, uh, yeah. I'm just kind of doing it until I na naturally settle down or whatever, I guess I'll always still travel, but not as nomadically if that's a word, if that's a real word. And so in a couple months you're planning Vagabond to like to South America. Yeah, yep. How long will you be down there? This will be my first solo trip, um, so all of my readers will get to witness me shit my pants in terror as I leave. <laughs> <laughs> it's the first time I've, I've gone off alone, so I'm going to be a bit nervous, probably. Well, best of luck to you, Tom. I'm sure you'll be fine. Uh, what's, what's your itinerary so far? Do you have it, or is it just... Uh... Take it as a I, I'm really, uh, I'm spontaneous, so I'll have like a loose itinerary kind of an idea of countries I want to visit. I don't have an order to them. I know I want to go to. Uh, I'm going to go to Mexico first and check out some of the the Mayan ruins. Has always been big on my my dreams list of stuff to see. So I'll go there, and uh, I figure that's a touristy enough place that it'll be good for me to to test out my Spanish and uh, get a little more comfortable with using that and. Uh, to kind of acclimate myself to traveling alone, and which I'm, I'm honestly pretty confident on that because I'm a, like I said earlier, I'm a people person, so I, I don't have a problem with walking up to a random person and starting up a conversation. So they say to, to truly travel alone, you really have to try. <laughs> so hopefully that will hold true. You got to be so spontaneous and, uh, and then I'm doing Colombia and Peru and possibly. Possibly Argentina, and uh, I help out at a music festival here in my hometown called Paper City Music Festival, and we had a band from Colombia this year called El Cariba Funk, and they were, I ended up hanging out with the guys for a bit. They were really, really cool dudes, um, and they even put up with my very, very limited Spanish vocabulary, but we managed to, to strike up somewhat of a friendship, and they run a music festival in Colombia. So that's on my itinerary. It's in February down there. So I'm going to go check that out. That's and fantastic. I'll be posting about that on the blog for sure. So I guess if you're traveling alone, uh, don't be shy, you know, meet as many people and talk to as many people as possible. Right. That's the game plan. Yeah. I, um, when I visited Taiwan on the plane, um, I met this guy from Seattle and ended up staying he invited me to his place in Elon for two weeks uh, for free. Nice. Yeah. That's the kind of stuff I'm hoping to, to run across. <laughs> that, uh, yeah, that's, that's one of the great things about spontaneous travel and not, not having things too planned out. I mean, if you just uh, go with the flow and trust that the universe will provide, it, it always seems to. Yeah. 
It always seems to. Just wing it. It'll work out. Yeah. Even if it's in the form of an emu uh, offering you oranges and potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Even if it's an emu. And the emu, he, that thing loved us, man. I'm telling you. It hung out all day. I mean, we ended up, I guess I didn't elaborate into that. We were stuck under that bridge for four days because every time one of us would get better, another person would get sick. Oh, my God. <laughs> so we couldn't leave. We are straining them four days under that freaking bridge. And that, that emu, we struck up quite the friendship with it. We had wild boars that would come and bug us at night trying to get to our food, and that thing would come out, come out flapping its wings at them. They'd take <laughs> off running. <laughs> Almost sounds like a surrogate mother for you guys. <laughs> it was. Yeah, we were, oh. we were uh, pretty close with it. We named it. If anybody is a uh, watches Always Sunny in Philadelphia, we named it D because they always say on that show that D looks like a big bird. So we called the email <laughs> D. Oh, that's fantastic! You have to go back and visit her again someday. Uh, it's uh, I've actually thought about it before. The name of the town. Well, here's a good one for readers. If you're going through, because this is a pretty popular route. If you're going through Italy and you're going from Milano to Pisa or Rome, look up Diva Marina, spelled D-E-I-V-A, Diva Marina, and That's you get off the train, walk down the path to the end of the town to the to the little bridge that goes over a dry creek bed, and you will see a very large bird named D. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Still no evidence that D is eating the potatoes and oranges that is being thrown to her, but... Do not steal potatoes from an email. That's the lesson. Don't. You'll have a bad time. You'll lose your favorite pair of underwear. And just... <laughs> <laughs> so, Tom, before we uh, wrap up here, um, do you have anything else you want to leave the listener with? Like, uh, let's say your your 23-year-old version of yourself was listening to this interview. What would you tell him? Um, definitely... Uh... Go out and live your dreams. I mean, you only live once, you know, so I know that's such a cliche and cheesy thing to say, but it's uh, it's really true. You should go out and do what you want to do now before you get to a position where you can't, you know, and just do it. And it might terrify you and you can come up with a thousand excuses that you don't have money or you don't have time, but those are just that. They're just excuses. Look at me. I didn't have any money. And I managed to do it. And it's you'll be very very happy you did in the end. So I guess that's that's my only real advice. Oh, and uh, bring money. <laughs> I know I just said you don't need it, but if you have it, bring lots of it. <laughs> yeah, that's great. We both uh, kind of learned similar lessons, uh, I think. Um, and I think one of the big things that stops people, it freezes them, is that that fear of loss. Um, I guess we're we're conditioned to feel like we have so much to lose. You know, what if we take a year off? Uh, we'll we'll lose our chance to get yeah. uh, a good job or something. Or, but the re- reality is, you really have nothing to lose. I mean, you can still have everything you want. Not at all. It's all going to be there when when you come back. Whenever you leave, and and you think everything's going to drastically change. But I left for six months. So I came back, and everything was exactly like the day I left. Everybody's doing the same stuff. Nothing's changed. So there's no. There shouldn't be that fear. You know, the same jobs will be there when you get back, all that stuff. Just do it, and you will be so happy you did. Your life will change for the better, for sure. If you decide to come back, because you might find something you like if, more. <laughs> That's the big F. Yeah. If you decide to come back. If you're a single man, don't go to Spain because you'll never want to leave because they have the most beautiful women on the face of the planet. That's right, Spain. I'm giving you a shout-out. <laughs> That's interesting. So you think Spain, huh? <clears throat> oh, God. That's what I tell everybody. I, I'm going to wait till I'm about 30, and then I'm just going to go to Spain and find a wife. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. It's my spot. Uh, I'd have to say, I'd have to shout out for Taiwan, actually. I've never been to Taiwan, so I can't I can't make a comment. Taiwan. I'm there. I don't know. Argentina, extremely attractive populations. Well, thank you, Tom, so much for being so generous with your time. I know it's quite late there. If anybody listening to this wants to get in touch with Tom, uh, check out his blog at tuneupandtravel.com, or you can also email him at tom at tuneupandtravel.com. Uh, 
It's been a lot of fun, Tom. Yes, it has. Am I allowed to shamelessly promote something for myself? Promote away. I am. Uh, I am almost done writing a, a novel about my traveling last summer. I don't have a name for it yet, so I guess me promoting it right now is essentially pointless. But keep an eye out on the blog because uh, there's tons and tons of uh, stories, and it's just uh, it'll mostly just a lot of laughs and uh, interesting things. So keep an eye out for that. I'm pretty excited to to get it finished up. Hopefully next week and get it off to the publishers, hopefully by December. Excellent. Look forward to reading that. And uh, I guess I could, anyone could sign up for your uh, Facebook page or follow you on Facebook and get updates yeah. as well. I have a, I have a uh, newsletter you can sign up for too on the website. Okay, the, cool. Well, thank hey, thanks, you so much. Uh, thanks for having me on, man. I really appreciate it. I had a good time tonight. Yeah, thank you as well, and uh, best of luck to you and all your, your future endeavors and adventures. You as well. Okay, thanks. Bye.